week or two ago to see uh, our oldest granddaughter graduate from college. And prices were down. And I was hauling some of her stuff. (laughs) You know, when kids leave home, they start taking their stuff. And uh, so I, I drove my pickup, and it doesn't get near as good a gas mileage as my little Toyota Corolla. And uh, so I was glad those prices were down. It, it was a blessing, I'll tell you what. And it made me feel even better about volunteering. You know, I'll, I'll bring your stuff to you. And uh, she did seem happy that I brought her stuff and got that out of the picture. And her mother was glad to see her stuff out of the room. Uh, she's still got a lot more to go, though. And uh, I, I was looking here, and I found the, the order of service for the service this morning. And fortunately, they didn't put what time I had to quit. And so you're stuck. And, uh, but we'll have a good time while we're here anyway. And like, like the old preacher said, uh, I was starting on that story there a while ago about uh, there just uh, wasn't anything much fun to do. And so he said, I have to have some fun at church. And at least I can laugh at church. And uh, the, anyway, he said, I'm laughing with God because God made us. And I think God is well entertained watching us. <laughs> so now... I, One of my friends, and I've forgotten which one, sent me an email, and it's called A Little Elderly Humor. And then it's got a dash. We could use some. And when you're getting old, there's some things that just aren't any fun. Uh, You get your knees replaced, and you get your valves changed out in your heart, and and, you know, and they give you all kinds of medicine, and sometimes you don't know whether you're going up or down or around, and so we need some humor uh, growing older. And a, and a couple of these that I really I liked, and the one story is about the couple that uh, older couple they they had dinner together, and uh, the men were in the living room after dinner. And the ladies were out doing dishes in the kitchen, the way it should be. No, I didn't say that, did I? It's just the way I like it. (laughs) And uh, so, um, one old guy said to the other one, he said, We went to a really good restaurant last evening. And it was excellent. And the other fellow said, well, what was the name of it? And the guy said, uh, uh, oh, he said, what's that flower that's red and has thorns? What's, what's that flower? Rose. The other guy said, rose, just like you did. And the old fellow yelled out to the kitchen, rose! What was the name of that restaurant? <laughs> so... You know, um, so if if you hear my wife speak up at some point in my message, you'll know she's helping me a little bit to remember what I'm supposed to remember. I that reminded me of the old guy that was having quite a bit of memory trouble, and he went to the psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist said, "And what are you here for?" 
The guy looked at him kind of blank and he said, I don't know, can't remember. <laughs> so, you know, things happen to us. Uh, so, there, there's a lady, honey, sitting right behind you that looks like Phyllis Sass Sauce. And you take a look and see. That, and remind me later. Okay. Uh, well, there was there was one other story that I, I thought was pretty good, and this was on hospitals. And you're right across the street from the hospital, so if anything goes wrong, off you go. But uh, the new nurse, and my wife was a nurse. She was a nurse for forty. How many? One. Forty-one years, operating room nurse, and. Uh, you know, you know what, how it is with surgery, surgery, surgeons, and all of that. They bury their failures. <laughs> so, but um, any doctors here this morning? Listen, forgive me. I, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, there's lots of rules nowadays in hospitals. You know, I mean HIPAA. You, you've probably heard of HIPAA, and they, when you go to the doctor, there are more there are more rules written up on paper about how you can be treated and all of this kind of stuff. The government says, and so one of the rules at hospitals is that if you're being dismissed from the hospital, they must take you to the door. To your car in a wheelchair. You know, you thought you had been there to get fixed. And you're thinking, you know, I'm going to walk out of this place. No, you're not. You're going to ride out of this place. You're, you know, because they don't want anything to happen to come apart while you're going to the door. And so, uh, you, so the, the new nurse, the new nurse. Oh, I was going to tell you about my wife when she was a new nurse. She went into a room and didn't realize the patient had already been pronounced dead and gave her CPR. But uh, what a rude awakening, huh? Uh, for my wife, that is. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, uh, I am having too much fun. But, but it's been so long since I had an opportunity, you know. Why not? Anyway, the, the new nurse, she comes in to get the patient to take him out and deliver the guy. He's sitting there on the bed. He's all dressed. His feet are resting on the suitcase, you know. And uh, she said, now, uh, sir, you can't walk out of here. You have to ride in the wheelchair. And she's got the wheelchair. And... He said, well, I, I, I really, and, and she just kept giving her spiel, all these HIPAA rules why he was to ride out of there in a wheelchair. Finally, he said, okay. So, gets in the wheelchair, puts the suitcase on his lap. She pushes him down to the elevator, get on the elevator. They're going down the elevator, and she says to the old guy, she said, now, is your wife going to meet you out in the lobby? Oh, he said, my wife's still in the bathroom. She's getting her 
hospital gown off and putting on her street clothes. <laughs> well, the journey, huh? Um, it is a journey. Life is a journey. And uh, we, we must remember that. But along the journey, there's a good word for all the travelers. And it's a word from the Lord. And um, I, w- I would like you to find in your Bible, I don't quite have enough room up here on the pulpit, so I'm going to unload it a little bit. But before I start doing that, I want to tell you, I like your Advent wreath candle set up. It is probably the most beautiful Advent wreath I've ever seen. And if it's missing... <laughs> And you see a bulge in my pocket, you'll know what's happened. But um, let's let's take our Bibles and go over to Jeremiah, and I'll find it here in a minute. And in Jeremiah, I want you to go. It's it's become kind of a popular passage, Jeremiah 29, and I want to commence at verse 11, but. Uh, this, this passage was used of the Lord in my life to give me guidance along the journey. I was pastoring out at Fort Morgan, Colorado, and we had been there about seven years. And the Lord put this scripture on my heart and on my mind. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations. Wow. What a promise to a people in captivity, a people who had been taken all the way to Babylon. They hadn't seen Jerusalem except in their dreams. And they would have loved to have gone back, and now God gives them this word, I have plans for you. Well, out there at Fort Morgan, I'd been there about seven years, and I was sensing that my ministry there was winding down and coming to an end. And so we were in a pastor's meeting, and Leon Weiss was the district superintendent then. And Leon said, For uh, Loveland Church has been vacant now for nine months. And they've called different pastors, but no one has been willing to go. And uh, then we had a prayer time. And while we were praying, it seemed to me the Lord impressed on my heart that I ought to just say something to Leon. And uh, I I said to him after we all prayed, I said, Leon, um, I'd be interested in being considered at Loveland. The Lord's been dealing with me about a move. Well, he said, Jim, I would consider you 
But there's still two more people on the list (laughs) that I have to deal with first. And so by the time it was over, it was 11 months they went without a pastor. But in that period, those last two months, seven different times, in seven different places, the Lord gave that promise to me. Over and over and over again. Plans I have for you and a future. Wow. So when I did get the call, I said, wow, Lord. You knew what you were talking about. You had a plan. You had a place for me to go. I was clear up in Alaska, preaching in Alaska, when the last promise, the last time the Lord gave me the promise, plans I have for you and a future. So I pastored at Loveland for nine and a half years on that promise, the Lord's plan, and counting on Him to take care of my future. Now you've probably noticed Julie, our disabled daughter here, yeah you, and uh, Julie... When we were out at Fort Morgan, didn't have any place to go because they had a waiting list longer than your arm at the sheltered workshop, Noresco. And we signed up. But it was three years that we were there before she got to go to Noresco. And so, she was my charge, kind of, by phone. She would stay at home and I'd call her two or three times in the morning and sometimes take her with me in the afternoon. And uh, I have to give you just one little piece of background. When we lived in Albuquerque, she was with me one time when I ran out of gas. I I used to be notorious for running out of gas. I will tell you right now, fumes will get you nowhere. (laughs) And uh, so uh, I had run out, I had been and picked up Julie at the Goodwill Sheltered Workshop in Albuquerque. And she and I were driving down the boulevard going home, and I ran out of gas. And... uh, I said to Julie, I said, Julie, there's a filling station about two blocks down the street here. Now, I want you to steer, and I'll push the car. And and you, you just steer. Keep it in the same lane all the way. We did it. I pushed, she steered, we got there and bought the gas and... I didn't think any more about that until one morning I got a phone call from our neighbor there in Fort Morgan. That was before she had started going to Noresco. Neighbor called, said, Jim, Julie's here and she's crying and she tried to drive your pickup and she smashed into the garage door. (laughs) 
So I hurried home, and sure enough, that little monster pickup <laughs> was it was a standard shift, and it was in the door. And she thought she could drive because she had driven one time. But I've met a lot of teenagers that thought they could drive, and they hadn't even driven once. So, you know, I mean, but she tried it out, and wow. So when we moved to Loveland, we were thinking, oh, no, three years till she can get in someplace. We got to Loveland. My wife called Foothills Gateway in Fort Collins on the south side there and said, we have a disabled daughter. Is there any chance of her getting in? And they said, oh, there's a long waiting waiting list. And my wife said, we, we're from Fort Morgan. And she was in Naresco. And the minute she said Naresco, the lady said, well then, she's already in. Just bring her. Wow. Plans I have for you and a future. And Julie still works at Naresco five days a week. And she's happy as a bee in the clover, you know. She loves to go to Naresco. Folks, I want to tell you, you're facing some things in your life, but God has a plan. You may have been in captivity to some habit that's dragging you down, to some physical ailment that's dragging you down, some illness that's dragging you down. I don't know what it is. But I know that just as sure as God had not lost track of Israel, and He knew right where they were in Babylon, He had a plan for getting them back home. He had a plan for restoring them. And God had a plan for us when we moved to Lublin. God was taking care of Julie when the rest of us couldn't. God knew what she needed, where she needed to be. See, that's, that's this promise here about a plan I have for you. A place I want you to go. A work I want you to do. Um, I want to read my New Testament text. You thought I was preaching. I hadn't gotten around to that yet. Uh, but we'll get there. Let's go over to, to Philippians, if you would, please. And uh, I'm using a new Bible, one of these giant print Bibles. And I can actually see it and read. Uh, the only thing is, I'm not as handy with it as I was my old Bible. And so it takes me a little longer to get around. And let's go there to Philippians 3.12. I think the guys have it up. Yeah. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our part. I remember going to college at Bethany Nazarene College and there was an older lady. Um, her husband had been a minister. The last name was Guy, G-U-Y. Sister Guy. And she had ears as big as my hands, but she was sitting in church with both hands behind her ears trying, trying to hear. Uh, her hearing aid apparently didn't work that good. And, and I understand that a bit. I used to have a hearing aid in both of my ears, only to discover eventually the doctor said, well, you know, Jim, it's a waste of money putting a hearing aid in that one ear because it's stone deaf. <laughs> So I only have a hearing aid this year. So I understand the old saying, I'm deaf in one ear and can't hear out of the other one. Well, that's, that's my story. That's where I am. But the Lord again and again speaks to us His message. And He's saying to us, press. Do your part. Press on. See, Sister Guy was doing her part. She's doing all she could. Those hearing aids weren't working. She was trying to help them out all that she could, and she'd sit right up front. And so every one of us has our part to do in life. You know, God has the promises, but we have to do our part. And Sister Guy used to give a testimony. She'd say, you can get to heaven, but it's going to be by two things. God's grace and your determination. See, you you have to be in on the deal. See, God's got all the love in the world for every one of us. God's grace is sufficient for every situation. But we have to be in the game. We have to be doing doing our part. I went to hear my or to my granddaughter's graduation. I told you about that. And they had an excellent athletic speaker. And um, his theme was two words. All in. Well, that's the way it is for us. We have to get all in. Uh, do you remember the last time the New York Giants won a Super Bowl? You don't. I didn't either. But the guy told us about it. And the Giants had been doing real good, winning, winning, winning. And they took a nosedive. That would be a nice feeling for the Broncos if they just went. <laughs> oh my, I shouldn't have said that. But... Uh, but this man had gone through college, had gone through on an athletic scholarship basketball, and he'd been offered a professional position to play. And he decided, you know, it'd be better if I went back to my hometown in New Jersey and taught high school and worked with young people and tried to help them. And 
That's what he did. He turned down the contract and went and taught high school. And one of the things that he did in this journey was he started a basketball team for the youth detention center that was in their community. And he went to that youth detention center evenings. You know, this was on his own time. Nobody's paying him. He's, he's doing it because he wants to help. And kids are responding to him. They're winning some ball games. They're pumped up. They're excited. Unknown to him, there were some staff people from the New York Giants who had some teenagers that were in that detention center. And back and forth, kids were telling what was going on with this guy. And so they said, hey, our team is losing. They need motivated. We ought to get that guy that's motivating these delinquents. Let's, let's ask him to come and, and speak to our team. So they did. And his theme was then, even what it is now, all in. What he meant by all in was total commitment. If you're going to do something, give yourself to it. Put yourself in it. Go all the way for it. Don't hesitate. Jump in. Do it. And then you can win. So they invited him to come. He was a nobody. You know, I mean, he was awestruck when he got there to speak because here are ball players that he's admired and people he wanted their autographs, you know. And, and so he's all excited about being there with them. He doesn't see himself as the answer to anything. He just has a message, though. Go all in. All in. And he gives the message all in. And he, he applied it to every aspect of life. Whatever you do, if you're married, all in with your marriage. Go all in. You know, if you have a business, go all in. If you're in a profession, go all in. Your football player, go all in. Give it everything you've got. Don't hesitate. You only take this journey once. Go all in. Whatever it is. I've had to kind of watch my wife here at Christmas time. She's been going all in. And... Uh, not eating, no, cooking. And I've had to watch my weight, you know, holding back on. She makes the best Christmas cookies that have ever been made, anytime, anywhere. And they're my favorite cookie. And a lot of people don't like them because she uses the stuff you make fruitcakes with. But she doesn't make fruitcake. She makes a cookie, and they just are excellent. I mean, she goes all in on those cookies, and I go all in. <laughs> I fill it up real quick, you know. I get it all in, and I'm all out of moisture. Colorado has a way of drying us out, doesn't it? Anyway, as the man told his story, 
That was on a Friday, I believe, he gave the talk all in to the Giants. They started winning. They did not lose another game, and they won the Super Bowl that year. That's the last time they've won the Super Bowl, but they won it. Folks, the Lord has plans for us, but he wants us to go all in. He doesn't want us sitting on the sidelines. He doesn't want us daydreaming, fantasizing. He wants us to actually participate, you know, go in with God, go all the way. And and here was the beauty of it. This this was a a large graduation. The the gymnasium was full all the way around. And as he closed his message, this athlete he said, by the way, Jesus went all in. He paid the price for your sin and my sin. He wants to be your Savior. He'll come into your heart if you'll make a full commitment to Him. If you'll go all in, you can have all that He's paid for on the cross. It's for you. Wow. Did I do something for you? I mean, it was exciting. He, he did everything but give the altar call. <laughs> that, I mean, it was it was just it was just blessed. It was beautiful. It was special. Um, now, back back to our passage there in Jeremiah. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Now, I know sometimes we have some reverses in life. And, and we're thinking, oh man, how am, I, how am I going to get through this? Hey, oftentimes the Lord takes those very things that we're tripping over and turns them into stepping stones to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's what God wants to do for us. And, and you're saying to me, so, well, preacher, uh, I'm 70 years old. Maybe 80. 90. <laughs> Do I hear 100? <laughs> what, what does God have for me at my age? Well, I read a unique story um, some years ago. It was a Reader's Digest story. And... This fellow was 95 years old, lived in the Bronx, New York City, and he says to his daughter, he says, Honey, I don't know why God's keeping me here. I'm 95 years old. He said, I just barely shuffle from my bedroom to the table. I don't know why I'm alive. She said, Dad... God's got something in mind. We don't know what it is. Three days later, a thief came up to their apartment, crashed through their door. You know, locks are really just for honest people. I'm serious. There's very few locks that can't be busted through. Uh, Ask my daughter here. Her, her, her garage has been busted in twice. And we had those good deadbolts, you know, and the double lock set up. They're not worth a dime. 
and the uh, they just kick them down and they're in. That's what happened here. Guy came up, you know, I can't get my knee up that high. Uh, kicked that door in, and he's got a pistol. And he's robbing this lady and her aged dad. And he said, I can't leave any witnesses, so say your prayers. And he points the gun at the woman to shoot her. And the old dad, he just dives at him. Knocks him flat on the floor. The only problem was the guy pulled the trigger and shot and killed the old fellow at 95. His daughter said, Wow, God did have a plan for my dad. It was to save my life, to spare me. See, God, God doesn't finish with us till we're at the finish. The finish is very important. How you finish the race. Persisting. Staying with it. Never, ever, ever giving up. Never give up. I remember being at a conference one time. And somebody, it was a question and answer time. Somebody asked the pastor that was leading the conference. Said to him, said, well, when, when do you give up? You know, when do you stop calling on some people? When, when, do you, when do you just quit with some people? He said, never. Never. If they're still drawing their breath, they're still on my list. They're still there for us as a church to minister to, to reach out to. Never stop your ministry. I want to tell you, that's the way God is toward all of us. God has a plan. God has a reason. God, God wants to give us hope, you see. That's what, it, what he says here, that, that you might have hope and a future. Now, I had a set of notes. There, there you are. Because if I don't keep notes on some things, I'll get the facts mixed up. And so, I, you know. You heard about the old couple, didn't you? They were sitting on the porch in the swing. They were just having a good time, reminiscing, talking about the good old days. And uh, it was a warm summer evening. And somehow the old malt shop came up. And, and he said to her, he said, Hey, wouldn't it be great to go to an old malt shop like we used to go to and, and have a banana split? Ah, yeah, but we don't have a malt shop in our town anymore. There isn't any place you can get a banana split. And she said, what? We could make our own. Why don't you go to the store, pick up some bananas, pick up some ice cream, pick up some of that topping to put on it? He said, I'll do it. She said, here, let me make you a list. Oh, I don't need a list. It's just basically three things. Off he went. Came back a little bit later, and he's laying the things out on the table, and she's watching, and she says to him, Well, you forgot the bacon and eggs. (laughs) Well, it's fun, isn't it, getting old. Uh, 
some, some of you, any, any of you that are in track and field, or were in track and field, you put, put it in the past tense, were in track and field. Well, this, this story comes from 1954. A guy named Roger Bannister, he has broken the four-minute ceiling on the one mile. Okay, now I'm having to get my material straight. And uh, there's also a guy, though, named John Landy. This is in Canada. Landy's from Canada. And Landy has also broken it. It is now the... Uh, track and field days, Olympics actually, for the British Empire. It's being held in Canada. These two runners who had never run against each other, didn't hardly know each other existed, were now running in a race. And this is on August the 7th. And both of them have been thinking how can I outwit the other one and win the race? Because this is the real title that counts. The other races weren't as big a deal. This was the, you know, big deal. And uh, so the day of the race, they're, they've got their plan in mind. And Landy, his plan is, I'm going to hit it fast from the get-go. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do a kick in at the end. The kick in at the end is usually how a mile is won. You're you're just right behind whoever the leader is, and then you kick it in, and you win. Okay. Bannister, his thought is, I'm just going to stay with what I've been doing, and my way of doing it has been the old-fashioned way. I'll just Stay right behind the leader, and then at the end, I'll kick it in. That was what he had done. Landy's in the lead, coming up on the finish. You understand your peripheral vision. Okay, we lose things oftentimes in peripheral vision. We, you know, look to the side, but we miss Something. Okay. Landy is right here running. Bannister is right here on his right running. Landy can't find Bannister. He's not seeing him. I've had that problem a time or two. I almost ran over a motorcyclist one time. Didn't see him in my peripheral vision. I did hear him. Quite a bit. Uh, I mean, he he was louder than his pipes. Uh, I didn't run over him, thankfully. Anyway, he's he Landy's in the lead. He's looking. He's not finding. They're at the very end of the race. Landy looks over his left shoulder. He looks back. When he looks back like that, Bannister kicked it in. And 
ran ahead of him and won the race. Now, the danger that we have as Christians is looking back. See, looking, you can't do anything about yesterday. You can't do anything about yesterday. It's past. It's history. The only one that can do anything for yesterday is God can forgive you for your sins of yesterday, today. But you personally, you can't change yesterday. Don't look back. Don't, don't look back and, and be sad over the losses of yesterday. Don't look back in remorse for yesterday. But keep looking to the future. Even God understood this. Plans I have for you, a hope and a future. Look to the future. Look to what is it that I can do. I can make a commitment, a fresh new commitment to Jesus. I can walk with Christ. I can walk in the light as He is in the light. I can bless my neighbor. I can start caring for others. Nobody else caring for them. So how could you fail, huh? Your future. Keep looking to your future. Look to what the Lord wants for you. God has a plan and a future. So, as the writer of Philippians said, press. Press it. Press it. Keep looking to that future. Keep pushing for tomorrow. Because God is in it. See, when God is in it, we don't have to worry about failure. He is with us. Praise God. Well, I'd sing a song, but I can't sing. And uh, so maybe, maybe if I shared an old hymn, uh, but not sing it. <laughs> Just read part of it uh, for you. And, and it's, 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 it's the old song, Hallelujah, What a Savior. Can you remember that old song? Some of us can. Uh, our, our hair is mostly white that remember uh, Hallelujah, What a Savior. But Jesus, what a guide and keeper. While the tempest still is high, storms about me, Night overtakes me. He, my pilot, hears my cry. Hallelujah! What a Savior! Hallelujah! What a friend! Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Praise God. We're just wrapping up this year. It's the end of this one. Next year can be even better. Because he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and have prayer together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this year. 
for its blessings, its challenges. Best of all, because you are with us. You've never forsaken us. You've never left us alone. And we thank you for this coming year already. Help us to keep looking ahead and to be all in, sold out, trusting, obeying, following, being where you want us to be, not living in the world of regrets, not looking backwards and tripping over ourselves, but rather looking to you because you are the author and finisher of our faith. And we bless your name and praise you. Amen. Remain standing. I want to share a benediction because it said on the program that there was a benediction. And I'll share this benediction with you. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. And God bless you with a happy new year.